Unstoppable Success Radio, episode 527. Welcome to Unstoppable Success Radio, the show where we help entrepreneurs, business owners, and CEOs from around the world to skyrocket their sales and multiply their profits. I am your host, Kelly Roach. Now let's get down to business. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in to Unstoppable Success Radio. I'm super excited to have special guests with me here today. You probably know the name. Uh, she is all over the media, Farnoosh Tarabi. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Very excited to be here. I am super excited to have you. And we have lots of conversations here on the show about actually having conversations with the market that aren't being had, right? Disrupting, reinventing, pioneering. And you are definitely doing that in the financial space, especially with your latest book, When She Makes More. So talk to our listeners a little bit, Farnoosh, about where did the idea for this book come from? Why did you decide to write it? And what is the power that can help these uber successful women entrepreneurs that we have listening today that are now breadwinners, probably for the first time in, in you know, the generation of their family, they're, they're women that are leading the charge financially. Yeah. And that's such a wonderful thing to celebrate. And that's really why I wanted to write the book was to first, you know, give a nod to these households, these women who were you use the word disrupting, but you know, in, in the best way possible, they're, they're taking charge of their financial lives. They're running their financials, the financials in their home. We're not really talking about them. And I was among, I am among this community and I was starting to wonder why this was such a taboo topic. I mean, we know money's taboo, right? But layer onto that, this aspect of a female breadwinner in a household and suddenly you know, nobody has any words for this. To describe this, we all have a lot of emotions, but how are we really communicating this? And so just to give you a little uh, personal story, you know, I came to this book, I, I had written a couple of books before this. I've been working in personal finance as a journalist and a writer and a host and all the things for many years. And for me, money is not a taboo topic. You know, I love talking about money. It's my job. <laughs> but I was interested in writing a book for women, specifically for ambitious women on the subject of money. And there are a lot of great books out there. Uh, so I wanted to really take the conversation to somewhere where I felt we hadn't been taking it or was maybe a, an extension of a conversation that was worth having. You know, there's a lot of books out there that encourage women to go out there and make money and shoot for the stars and be financially independent. But chances are, if you do all those things, you end up making more than sometimes who you're living with, your husband, your partner. And then the conversation sort of stopped there. Okay. And I was like, this is not healthy. We need to continue to give women the tools, the encouragement, the community, the support to be able to thrive in these marriages because what is actually happening when she makes more, we know this now because there's been a lot of studies looking at these households, is that when she makes more than him, there is more chance for divorce. Why? Because communication breaks down. Emotions take over. This is not something that necessarily was modeled to us growing up as young girls. Maybe, maybe some of us had the great fortune of having a mom who was the breadwinner or worked full-time but chances are we didn't see it modeled. That's the first thing. The second thing is that society, even today in 2020, most Americans, men and women, think that it is the man's responsibility to be the head of household, the financial provider. So there is this cultural expectation, this societal pressure 
There is this lack of modeling. And then we arrive in a relationship, whereas the female, we're making more, and we just don't know what to do with it. And, you know, a lot of these women are, are, that I interviewed in the book are, are leading successful lives, happy marriages, but behind closed doors. You know, they don't talk about the fact that they make more to their friends. Their parents might not even know because they are afraid, they're embarrassed, they're shameful. And I was thinking to myself, this is terrible, right? We need to really open this up, start the dialogue, get people to see these families for who, what they are and who they are and they're exemplary and give these households the tools and the support so that they can continue to thrive and not become a statistic. Like I was reading over and over again, that when she makes more, you know, marriages, couples fight more, there's um, more likelihood for cheating, for divorce. I was like, okay, this is, this is not fair, right? Because I was among that, those women who was told as a young girl growing up, you could do whatever you want, marry for love, right? <laughs> so yeah. I did. And then I got there and I felt like I did something wrong. Like right. I couldn't talk about the success because I was going to get judged and my husband was going to get judged. And I just felt that there was a part of our life that for, for whatever reason could not be celebrated. And that really bothered me. So I wanted to explore it for myself, but also through the process, I wrote a book and, and here we are five, six years later, still talking about it, continuing to talk about it even more than I was six years ago. Yeah, no, it, it's such a good conversation to bring forward because, you know, women are earlier in their evolution of being in the workforce, right? Which right. means that we are crossing through all of these boundaries and barriers and ceilings that, you know, it, they just wouldn't have happened before because we weren't in this place, right? And um, I, it's so important that we have these conversations openly. I love that you said earlier uh, on the show, you're like, I don't find it taboo to talk about money. I love talking about money. I'm the same way. You know, I'm, I'm very proud of building a healthy, sustainable business and company. And, you know, I, I think changing that belief system around money um, will impact our next generation, you know, and, and especially the dynamic between men and women. I know for me, I'm the breadwinner in, in my family. And Billy and I decided before we had Madison, before we were married, uh, that one of us was going to be home. We didn't know which one it was going to be, but we agreed one of us was going to be home. Uh, we were never going to put our, our daughter or our kids in daycare um, and that we would kind of cross the bridge when we got there. And it just so happened that the business began blowing up and, you know, just based on, you know, I was following my passion. He was doing something at the time that wasn't really for him. You know, he ended up being the one home. And I think, you know, navigating that even for us, um, you know, him feeling like what he was doing in that role at home was like fully worthy was like such a huge coming together for the two of us. And you're right. There's no roadmap. There's no education. You know, you're just kind of making it up as you go. Right. And I think that, you know, just to maybe for people who don't have this, aren't living this reality and from the outside in, you're like, what's the problem? What does it matter? Who cares who makes more, you know? And that was actually a little bit of the, of the feedback that I got from publishers when I was shopping this book around, like, really, is this a problem? And, or are you making a problem out of something that isn't? And the truth is anecdotally and from all the studies we're finding is that, you know, when women make more than their husbands, they're not giving up a lot of their other sort of 
responsibilities or things that they think should be their responsibilities, like cleaning the house, making the perfect dinner, being at the forefront of parenting, you know, um, that when you inherit this role of breadwinner in your family, you're also doing other things at a hundred miles per hour. Um, traditionally when my dad was the breadwinner in our family, he didn't do much else but work, right? He came home and he made me fix light bulbs and he, right. So the complexity arrives where women are becoming breadwinners on top of already a very full and busy demanding life. And from there, you know, that's, that, that wreaks havoc and that also creates resentment on her part. And then from the male's perspective, I often hear that when he's not the breadwinner or when he's not working or making less, because again, as I said earlier, there's this expectation that he's going to be a provider and that's what we equate to being a good man and a good father and a good husband. He can start to feel less than. He can start to feel as though he doesn't have a purpose, that he's not being a real provider. And so what necessarily needs to happen at that point is a redefining of what it means to be a provider in your household. And every household is different. Every household has different needs, but there's more than one way to provide. I would, I would say, I would think, right. And just monetarily, there's logistics, oh there's children, yes. potentially there's so many aspects to running a, a fulfilling life that I think that's where the shift needs to happen. If the person who's not making more is feeling a little bit lost at sea or doesn't know how to be a contributor or provider, then that there needs to be a conversation, an ongoing conversation about how to really make him or her feel more whole and more purpose driven in the relationship. I totally agree. I think, yeah, I, I think we've worked hard to navigate that. And, you know, and, and I was, I am very lucky that, um, you know, Billy has stepped up in unbelievable ways. And I, I look at him and I'm like, wow, how do you do it all? And then he looks at me and he's like, wow, how do you do it all? But, you know, I think that for a lot of women listening, you are the breadwinner. You did work for many years to create financial success. Now you have it, but you haven't given up any of those other household responsibilities. You feel guilty bringing someone in to clean your house. You feel guilty, you know, making a, a spa appointment to take care of yourself. So I'm sure you have a lot of education in the book around this, Bernoush, but I would love for you to speak to that for a couple of minutes because I do think it's really important that when women step into that breadwinner role for their family, that they also ask ask for help, allow for help, and, and give up some of those other responsibilities and, and maybe not put so much pressure on themselves to be everything to everyone. Right. So I would just start by saying two things, that when you are the female breadwinner, remember, you are very important to your family, very important, and not to put more pressure on you or give you more stress, but you have to take care of yourself. And if you are feeling guilty, don't think of it, of, of it as pampering yourself. This is about keeping you healthy and mentally healthy and physically healthy and, so that you can perform at your best because there are a lot of people relying on you, including yourself, including your kids, potentially, your, your partner. And so as women, I think there is this tendency, like you just said, like we feel guilty when we do anything for ourselves, right? We are, we are, we are women have been conditioned to take on the role of, caretaker, caregiver. That's what we have been celebrated for. Uh, what, you know, Mother Teresa, right? Or yeah. Florence and Nightingale. Like these are, yeah. these, are the, these are the icons and why? Because they were deemed to be selfless and, 
and to the, to the utmost. And so those are our icons and, and rightfully so, but I also think that, you know, there's, there's value. There's, there's, it's just as important to take care of yourself because it necessarily means that you will be taking care of others in the process. That's one. And then the other thing is don't forget you are a part of a team. If you are a single mom, make your own team. If you don't have a full-time partner in the home with you that can help you manage the day-to-day and the, and the long-term and short-term plans, then it, then it is very important that you design your own team. And maybe that's a bunch of people. Maybe that's you know, a neighbor, a, a mother at school, a, a friend, a parent, you know, it, it takes a village, but it, it really does. And that is going to be your power. Your power is not just in you, it's in your, your network and in your structure that you would develop for yourself. So I'm a big fan of outsourcing, investing in other people and in other resources to get the things done that I either don't have time to do or don't want to do, or both of those things. <laughs> and I these days, you, on that. you know, um, what? I mean, I was just watching Marie Kondo on Netflix, that, that TV series based obviously on the best-selling book. Um, and there was, the, there was a family where the mom was not working. The husband worked full-time. She had two little kids at home. So she was at, the, at that phase in their life, she was the primary caretaker, caregiver in the home. And she was exhausted. I mean, c- can you imagine? Like that's, I have so much respect and uh, I, have, I have so many feels for the moms and the dads who are at home all day with children. That's a lot. It's a lot. And, and, and she couldn't finish the laundry most days. Um, and, and she really, all she wanted was someone to come and do the laundry or send out the laundry. And her husband kept making her feel guilty about it. He was like, I'm not going to outsource a task that is not difficult. You know, he thinks that laundry is easy. You just put it in the machine and out pops your clean clothes. Well, no, there's the sorting, right? There's the drying, that some things have to get dried, air dried, some things get tumble dried, then you have to fold, then you got to put it back in. It's a whole afternoon. And not to mention she's running around with two kids and she hasn't probably had a meal to herself in weeks. And so this was the biggest argument they had. <laughs> and I think that laundry is the last frontier for most households. Like we can figure out a lot, but the laundry thing is like the one thing that most couples argue about when it comes to domestic work. And my feeling is that it doesn't matter how easy it is, how hard it is, how fast you can do it, how slow you can do it. If you can, you know, think about what it would cost to outsource laundry. Okay. I don't know what it costs, but it, let's say it's 20 bucks. Um, and it takes, you know, a couple hours. Well, what is your time worth, right? And there's actually a formula for this. So you take your income and you take off the last three zeros. Let's say you're not a millionaire. If you're a millionaire, then you can take off all the zeros. Um, <laughs> but most people probably make, you know, up to around six figures or less. And so take off the last three zeros and then divide whatever's left by two. That's your personal hourly rate. So if you make, let's say, $100,000 a year, um, take out the last three zeros, which then leaves you with a hundred divided by two, $50 an hour. That's your hourly rate. So if it costs you $10 or $20 an hour to hire someone to do your laundry, that's more cost efficient than you doing it. Cause you're more expensive than that. So think of it. If you, if you're trying to just, you know, find reasons to justify things that otherwise feel unjustified to you, like that's just the math. Okay. And the math doesn't lie. So I would just want to leave your listeners with that is like when, when push comes to shove or when you're at a crossroads, just do the math 
and yeah. forget what it is. Just what it, what is your time worth? It's, it's an important question. It's so important. And, and it doesn't matter what the task is. If your time can be better spent on something more valuable, whether it's time with your family or in the thing. Yeah. I'm <laughs> um, you know, whatever that is, you know, absolutely. And that's, that's how I look at things, you know, in, in our family, in our household, like, you know, it's like, if, if it can get me an extra hour with Madison, if it can get me an extra night, you know, to have a night with Billy and I, like that is invaluable. Right. And I think that we have to kind of change our perception um, of the value and and of you know who needs to do what it's like it's kind of like we need to throw it up in the air like confetti and allow it to like come back down in a new way kind of thing right yes yes a hundred percent I love that so um, any other principles from the book that you feel are really critical just to share like a quick snapshot of well, very early on in the book, I've really addressed the finances right off the bat. Let's talk about the real difficult stuff, which is how to manage the money. Because if you do have disparate income or one person's making all the money and one person's making no money, and this could apply to anybody, whether it's you know same-sex couples, she's making more, he's making more, she's not working. So this is just really a piece of advice that I think I could extrapolate to all relationships where there is income disparity. So you're not making the same amount of money. And as a result of that, many couples are left feeling sort of uh, lost around how to manage the money together, how to share in the costs of living together and building a home. So my advice is that you, know, you, you want to find a way to, as I call it in the book, level the financial playing field. You're both coming to, imagine you're both athletes, you're coming to the field with different skill sets. One's a fast runner, one's you know, really good at throwing but you're both talented. And so remember that when it comes to your money, you both have your strengths. Um, one of you might be good at earning, the other might be good at saving, the other might be good at managing the money or investing the money. So pull on your strengths and together work as a team so that you can level the financial playing field. And so how does that really, like let's put that in actual, you know, in, in real terms. So let's say that your spouse makes $50,000 a year and you make $100,000 a year. And you're wondering how to pay for things, right? You have a mortgage, you have childcare expenses, you might have retirement to fill and all of the things. So in that case, it's about figuring out first, what are the expenses that we do want to share in that we want to be equal partners in? Maybe it is the mortgage. Maybe it is you know, the things that we both equally use, it's the childcare because we both benefit from that. And then outside of that, are there certain costs that are more important to me that are more, that are less important to you? So for example, I had a, um, a father actually write into me and say, you know, I make less than my wife and I really want to find a way where we can afford full-time childcare. She doesn't really want to spend the money on childcare. She would rather you know, um, maybe have me stay home or, or whatnot. And I said, look, I think that in that case, if it's really important to you to have the childcare that you want for your, maybe it was like a better preschooler. I don't remember the situation. Then I think that that's, and it's unfortunate that you guys can't both be on the same page with that. I wish you were, but if that is something that is creating a lot of stress in your relationship, you can't find a solution. Perhaps this is a solution you actually pay more for the childcare because it's more important to you. But then you maybe 
don't pay in other ways for other things. So you have to find where you're going to prioritize your finances in the relationship based on what's important to you to mitigate some of these arguments. But then also at the same time, think about how you can share in some of the expenses that you both equally care about. And it's going to be very different in every relationship. I mean, you can only imagine, right? That's going to look so different in every relationship. But you have to find the practical ways to manage your money because at the end of the day, the bills have to get paid. You got to put into your savings, all the things. But there are going to be some emotions at play too because some people come to money with a host of different kinds of feelings and money means different things to different people and people want different lifestyles and doesn't mean they can't stay married. It just means they have to have these conversations and come up with a system to work around these differences. Um, and so that was just one example where one cup, one member in the relationship really wanted to spend more on childcare. And so to that end, he became the one who would use more of his salary for that, but uh, realizing that that was going to take from something else. And so what that something else is, the couple has to kind of decide on, but these are the, it's not an overnight process, right? These are the conversations that need to be ongoing, but the couples that I interviewed in the book that are married 10 years, 20 years longer, who have always had a female breadwinner in the marriage or suddenly did after a layoff or what have you, whatever the, however it came to be, what ultimately kept them successful was will, a willingness to talk about what was, what was actually the elephant in the room, which was the money. And sometimes the emo and a lot of times the emotions that they were experiencing around the money because it's hard, you know, Jen, to say that I feel emasculated <laughs> because you make more. It's hard Absolutely. to say, like it's hard to look at your husband and be like, "What are you actually doing?" Because I'm making the money, I made dinner, and I'm tired. So you need to feel that you have the trust and the safety to say these things out loud because if you keep them to yourself, it's only a ticking time bomb at that point. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I just love that you're opening up the conversation in a public way. I'm sure it's probably one of the first or the only book that's been written on this. So I definitely recommend for all of our listeners, grab a copy of When She Makes More. I mean, you shared so much here for Noosh that, that you know, can create just valuable connections within the families of leading entrepreneurs that will make a huge difference for themselves, their families, their spouses. I, I love the impact that you're making. And um, tell us what's next for you. So, you know, obviously this was a wildly successful project for you with the book. Um, I know you have your book to brand, um, you know, teaching that you do. W what's next? What's next is, well, I just celebrated the 1,000th episode of my podcast, So Money. It's called So Money with Farnish Tarabi. And I, it's been five years, you know, 12 million downloads. I, I'm ready for taking the show to higher heights. And so whatever that means, I'm still figuring it out. But I really want to make the next five years even more powerful. And I, th I think we'd have a lot of fun doing more of the same, but I want to find ways to really take it um, maybe even beyond podcasts where we're doing um, you know, meetups around the country, where perhaps we're doing offshoots of this podcast, where there's, you know, there's so many ways to slice and dice money, right? There's, there's aspects, there's so many for various life stages. There's so many for retirement and children and entrepreneurship. So I, I, my growth plans are very big for the show. I think the brand has a lot of legs and I'd love to 
you know, I'd love to s- kind of take it to that, that quote unquote next level this year and, and subsequent years. So stay tuned. That is amazing. That is amazing. So guys, for everybody listening, you can check out Farnoosh's podcast, So Money. Uh, great education there. Um, great continuing education there. And Farnoosh, thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing all of your great insights. Is there anything else that you want to point our listeners back to? You want to send them to the podcast? Is there anything specific besides that that you want them to, to go to? Just check out somoneypodcast.com, the book, When She Makes More, and follow me on Instagram. Having a lot of fun there at Farnoosh Tarabi. I answer people's money questions in direct in the DM behind the, you know, behind the curtain. So if you have money questions, please reach out to me there. And uh, that's also where I grab questions for the podcast, which I, every Friday I answer people's questions. Love it. Love it. All right. Farnoosh, thank you so much for being here. And to all of our listeners of Unstoppable Success Radio, until next time, I want to remind you to dream big, take action, and don't stop until you make it happen. Thanks so much. Hold on. One more thing before you go. As a valued listener of Unstoppable Success Radio, I want to help you build your business, not just during the times that you're listening to the show, but all day, every day, every week of the year. I have a new Facebook group called The Tribe of Unstoppables, and it's a place for you to come gather with other successful, driven, passionate entrepreneurs creating financial freedom for their families and building a life and legacy of impact and significance. If you want to be a part of the community where you can network, get leads, gain referrals, build your business, and get unbelievable free trainings from myself and my team, go to kellyroachcoaching.com forward slash community. That's kellyroachcoaching.com forward slash community. Or you can just pop into Facebook and search Tribe of Unstoppables. Drop me a note and let me know when you join. Can't wait to see you there.